So from your perspective and, and what you've done and seen, what do you think, like where we are in 2020, what do you think we've gotten, we've gotten right as a lean community? And then conversely, what do you think we've gotten wrong? Well, it's hard, hard to generalize because there are organizations that have done very well, too few actually. Uh, but those who have done well have, uh, um, I think, um, focused on the provider as well as the customer. Hey everybody, it's Paul Critchley, president of New England Lean Consulting. I'm so excited to bring you this episode today with my good friend, Bruce Hamilton. Uh, Bruce is somebody I've known for a long time. He and I were on the AME board of the Northeast region for a while together, and I really got to know him uh, well through that, but I'd always known who Bruce was. I mean, Bruce is one of those guys that he, you know, if you're in lean, and, and on social media, you're going to run across him sooner or later. Uh, and certainly everybody knows him. Why don't you say everybody? A lot of people know him for the Toast Kaizen video, which I think is 20 years old, 21 years old by now. Um, but it's a pretty famous, I guess, you know, in lean circles, I suppose you could say that it went viral. Um, but he's certainly best known, I would say, f for that. He's got a blog. Uh, called Old Lean Dude that is, I mean, it's amazing. If you don't subscribe to it, I highly recommend it. I do. I read it all the time as soon as it comes out. Uh, we'll link it to the show notes. But, you know, Bruce is just one of those guys um, that he has this calm pragmatism to it. That's the only way I guess I can explain it. He's just, you know, I like I said, I've known Bruce for a long time. I've never seen him get riled up. He just kind of like, he's just he's just got it. Uh, and he's somebody I really admire, and that's why I was so happy he, he agreed to be on the podcast, because he's somebody I've looked up to for a long time. I just like the way he goes about his business. And so he runs GBMP, which, you know, I know I had somebody ask me, they're like, really? Because I, I mentioned that uh, he was coming on. And somebody said, really? Aren't they a competitor? Uh, technically, I guess, yeah, they are. But I mean, I'll be honest, if I could do this half as good as, as Bruce does it, I'll consider myself a, a success. Because again, I just watch the way he goes about doing what he does. And it's just, it's art. It really is. And I don't want to, I don't want to fanboy all over it, but I really just that impressed. And I think you will be too. So if you're listening or watching, it comes through. When you just listen to Bruce talk, he's just one of those people that for me, I could just, I could just listen to him talk forever. Uh, in this episode, we talk COVID-19 uh, and how we both pivoted through that. Uh, we talk about kind of for lean community, what we've gotten right, what we've gotten wrong, uh, and the difference between short-term and long-term thinking. And we really delve into these things. So I really, really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, one personal thing I did want to add where really I think it cemented Bruce's position in my life, uh, you know, a story I talk about fairly often is when my dad uh, had open heart surgery several years ago. And I didn't intend it to be this way, but it was actually right around now, uh, at this time of year, um, that he was just, I think, if I look at the calendar, it was only like three or four days ago, several years ago, that he was coming out of surgery. Uh, and it occurred to me when I was editing this episode that that was true. It was, it was right around, like I said, this time of year. 
Um, so it, it brought back a, back a lot of those memories. But uh, when that happened with my dad, it was all pretty abrupt. It, it wasn't anything that we had any heads up on. Um, you know, and I tell the story, but he was having chest pains and the next thing you know, he's getting rushed to the hospital and prep, you know, for surgery and the whole thing. And it was kind of like a drop what you're doing and get up here right now. Um, you know, my grandfather died of a heart attack right around my father's age. And it was, you know, it was, like I said, no heads up. It was just, that was it. Um, so it was scary. Well, it was also because it was this time of year that it was the time when GBMP does their annual New England Lean Conference. And I was going to be the person that was manning the AME table at GBMP. And so all this happened. And I kind of uh, sent an email to the board, my fellow board members. And I said, guys, I, you know, my dad's going to the hospital. I got to go. I can't do this. Uh, you know, is there somebody that can take, cause I had all the stuff, you know, I had boxes and boxes of, you know, the tablecloth and the handouts and the backdrop and the whole, all the stuff. And it was Bruce that said, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll take care of it. So driving from Connecticut to Maine, I swung by Bruce's place in Massachusetts and he was just amazing. He was so nice and, and it just, it meant a lot to me. So, um, I can't say enough good things about about Bruce Hamilton. So enjoy the episode. All right. Hello. Welcome to the New England Lean Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Critchley. Today I am joined by local legend. You can't control him. You can only hope to contain him. The impenetrable Bruce Hamilton. Hello, Bruce. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I got uh, I was up till like 11:30 practicing your intro last night, so I hope you liked it. That was fine. Thank you. <laughs> so, certainly, I mean, anybody who's in the lean community, whether they're in New England or not, I think knows you. But on the off chance that somebody's been living under a rock, can you just introduce yourself and give us a little five cent tour of who you are and what you do? Sure. So actually, there's a whole lot of people who don't know me, um, and uh, I meet them all the time. The, uh, you know, most people who do know me have watched me make a slice of toast in a video that uh, I actually made over 20 years ago, and it's out there. So it's not unusual for people to do a double take and say, haven't we met before? Because they've seen me uh, make a slice of toast. Although, you know, 20 years ago, uh, I didn't look exactly the same as I look today, so times have changed. Uh, but uh, so, so I'm a, you know, I'm a student of TPS or Lean, um, spent 28 years in manufacturing in a variety of different functions from sales promotion to in IT to materials to manufacturing management to general management. And uh, Never actually did figure out what I liked, although in all of those uh, kind of the problem solving thing came up and that's, I think that's kind of guided my career. And when TPS came along, it was just a better way of problem solving. There's just some nice methods and nice thinking about, you know, involving a whole lot of people. So, you know, this is my 50th year in the workforce and um, I'm working as hard as ever and I enjoy what I do now for the last 20 years. I've been, you know, part of this not-for-profit 
GBMP. Uh, I used to say we were headquartered in Boston, but presently we are headquartered in uh, cyberspace. We <laughs> have given up a physical location. I'm not sure we'll, we'll ever go back. So there's an example. I, we're still discussing that, but in the immediate future, when you can't use an office, you no point in having one. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I've also been active with, uh, over the years with, uh, the Shingo Institute, um, also known as the Shingo Prize that was formed in 1988. And I've pretty much been a part of that since 1988. Uh, and I've been fortunate along the way then to rub shoulders with a whole lot of other people who, um, you know, probably have a lot more depth of TPS knowledge than I do. So I've tried to be a student. I'm trying to still trying to pick things up. Uh, but it's a good fortune, as you know, kind of with lean or TPS is that people are pretty decent about sharing and there's always some sort of idea that you can pick up and adapt mm -hmm. yourself. So that's me. Uh, GBMP works with, uh, you know, organizations primarily in the Northeast region, although, you know, with the, the advent of technology. Uh, I taught a workshop on four continents uh, several weeks ago and as many time zones, which is kind of freaky. Uh, and, uh, but we, you know, we have a mission to keep good jobs up here in the Northeast. About 20% of the organizations that we work with are in healthcare because that's a big industry for us. And then manufacturing represents most of the rest. Uh, insurance and banks also are clients of ours. It's whoever is, um, you know, looking for continuous improvement in our region. That's our market. So mm -hmm. how's that? That's a mouthful. No, that's, I mean, that's, you know, one of the interesting, one of the things I try to accomplish through this podcast is just for folks to get to know, you know, get to know people a little bit better when maybe they don't have a chance to, I mean, we all interact on LinkedIn and, you know, people read our posts and watch our videos, but you know, that's, um, you know, that's con uh, it's content that we're putting out there. And my goal for this is just say, well, you know, talk to me a little bit about why you do what you do. Like, for instance, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. You went to Bowdoin, right? For a while. Yeah. <laughs> now, are you- For two a, and a half years I went to Bowdoin. I've been, I've been to a lot of colleges. <laughs> but are you a, so are you a native New Englander? No, no. I'm uh, uh, born in uh, Upper New York State. Lived uh, most of my childhood in the Philadelphia area, hmm. uh, and then have bounced around. Went to school in Maine, Arizona, Philadelphia, Boston. Yeah. Um, lived for a year and a half in Florida before there was a Disney World. So yeah, you know, when you get to be my age, you're you've been to a lot of places. <laughs> mean anything other than that but just you know time goes by sure no i'm sure. not a native of new england no oh, my wife she's definitely mrs toast has got the prototypical boston accent and i try to hide my philadelphia accent yeah well up where you are you kind of have to i mean after what they did to us in the super bowl i say us but because i'm a i'm a new england guy yeah. uh that was it was not that was not good but we always have the atlanta super bowl that I, we can always pull back from too yeah well that's fine so. I, I think uh, philadelphia wanted it more so good for them yeah I, you know you know i can't i can't take anything away from them i mean they just that one they played well i don't know i i was in philadelphia 
uh, actually at the time visiting my brother who lived uh, right outside of Philadelphia. And uh, it was so funny to kind of tune in from the standpoint of the Eagles or the Eagles, as we call them in Philadelphia. Um, because for the Eagles, it was like a once in a lifetime dream. Mm-hmm. And the, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, there were fireworks all over the place. And I'm thinking, you know, how jaded, you know, New Englanders have become. It's like, oh, yeah, another Super Bowl, another year, another Super Bowl. But in Philadelphia, it was such a big celebration. So I was happy for them. Yeah. And like I said, I can't, you know, that's like when, I mean, not for nothing, when the Sox won in 2004. I mean, it's Curse of the Bambino. It was finally broken. I mean, it was more like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you're right for, I mean, Boston's been title town and multiple, right, for such a long time, especially in football. Um, Yeah. Well, I was around when they were total losers, too. You know, yeah, I I was, I I I was a little bit uh, for one of those games. And uh, yeah, so anyway, it's fine. But so, yeah, so we'll see, we'll see what happens this year, but, or we'll see if they even have a season this year. Yeah. And so speaking of, and we kind of chatted, you, 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 you know, um, right before we hopped on. Uh, so one of the questions I had for you is how have you guys at GBMP pivoted due to COVID? Yeah. So uh, pretty much uh, we have uh, taken the same route that, uh, most organizations in our business have we're fortunate in that i mean basically we we make our living by visiting with clients and uh around the end of the first week of march our business went pretty much to zero uh and uh then that was quickly followed by mandates from governors so even if companies had uh, a thought that they would have us in governors were saying no. And uh, there were, I guess, there were lots of points of view at the time about what was going to happen. And I tended to be, uh, I I actually, I set out a calendar of two years. That was what I, I looked at what was happening. uh, And I don't know why I chose two years. Other people were choosing two months, Mm. two months. I, I heard this from a lot of people, a lot of people I know, pretty smart people, but they figured that somehow or other this was, other, this was going to blow over. Uh, I didn't have that feeling. And uh, in any event, whether it was two years or two months, uh, we couldn't provide services the way we had been providing them. Um, so we, you know, we uh, Zoomified, I guess. Uh, mm. we, we went, there are other mechanisms to use, but I'd been using Zoom for a number of years doing webinars. And I liked it. It's easy to use. It's easy for people to understand. Uh, There are bells and whistles, but most of them you don't actually need. Um, And uh, I had it in mind that, uh, um, you know, particularly, you couldn't have done this even five years ago. Um, But with the advent of, you know, smart devices with 1080p high resolution Mm -hmm. and good speakers systems, uh, there would be an opportunity to actually visit with a customer and uh, so we started, we worked on that and we, I had some background, but we had to train all of our consultants and equip them. Um, and, uh, and we also had to uh, train our customers. And uh, like most organizations, uh, 
even with our within our own organization, there was this hope that things would get better soon. So, you know, the first kind of things that you would hear are, yeah, I guess we're just going to wait until April. And, and then, you know, I didn't take that as meaning April. I took that as meaning just not today. Right. So it's a wait and see and you know, April wait and see was May and so on. And that actually still goes on with some customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, for the most part, I think we've kind of come to the realization that, yeah, it's not exactly a short term type of problem. And uh, so organizations began to warm up to um, the idea of, you know, our message was uh, work doesn't stop and improvement to work doesn't stop either. Shouldn't. You should find ways to do it and not argue that somehow or other we're going to wait for the better way because the better way, you know, it's not, not, not too different than what you might hear. You And I know you've had this experience where you, where you go into a company and you ask them about, you know, what they're trying to, what problems they're trying to solve and go through a discussion of things that you might do. And maybe you're talking to the owner of the company or to somebody who's making a decision about uh, engaging with continuous improvement. And they'll say, yeah, I don't think we're ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, at what point are we ever ready? So there was a sales job, and there's still a sales job. Uh, and uh, at each point uh, along this curve, I mean, things are still um, pretty pretty unclear. It's unclear um, with, uh, what what's going to happen even in the next month. Mm-hmm. So things I see, um, more people are living from the coronavirus now because we've maybe caught up and we're, you know, we've had tactical maneuvers creating P- PPE and some heroic efforts and that's great. I, I support that. But certainly uh, what you can gather from this is that no amount of tactics will, uh, kind of overcome a lack of strategy. Right. No strategic thinking leads to something like this. And it's not too late to start thinking strategically about the next problem. But, uh, but even there now, I'm not sure we're doing that. I don't know what the fallout's going to be um, from um, the long-term effect, either of the virus or of the economic conditions. Sure. So we're pivoting all the time. The idea of a new normal is like, there's a new normal every week. Right. We're not, we're not reaching some point of stability right now. And I don't know exactly what that's going to be, but I'm, you know, that's kind of my frame of mind. No. And that's important. And, and thank you for, because that's kind of what I wanted to chat about is, you know, I, I, in the news, I've, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and, you know, for, to some extent, um, lean and just in time, uh, like a, a lot of economists have, have glommed onto that and they say, well, lean manufacturing, there was a wall street journal article. I think it was just last week. Yeah, I saw that. Right. And they said, well, you know, the reason you can't buy Clorox wipes is because of lean manufacturing. And it's like, Hey, Whoa. And I read the article and I'm like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is right. And, but it's, so that was kind of what I wanted to chat with you about is what do you think, you know, as we, because you're right, we pivot all the time, and this, that's what we do. It's leans a lot of change and change management, and right culture change and all that kind of stuff. So, 
the new normal, if you want to call it that, is really future state. And if we're doing this correctly and continuously improving, we're always getting to another new normal. I think, but I want to get your opinion. In what I'm seeing is, you know, COVID kind of forced us, you know, it was forced upon us, like we didn't have a choice versus, you know, conversely, if I'll just say if that didn't happen, you know, it was more of the organization choice of, hey, we're going to, we're going to pivot now. So do you think that that plays a part in acceptance or how does that play out when you, you know, when you're talking to clients now versus say a year, year ago? You know, and I'm not seeing that with our clients. I've read, I read the article in Wall Street Journal and there've been others. And, uh, you know, they're at best, they're focused on a very narrow definition of lean sort of zero inventories kind of thing without even understanding what that means. Uh, so heavens, uh, you know, if conceptually, um, you know, people continue to struggle with the concepts of lean or TPS. They don't get it. Mm. You know, my, my teacher who I respect greatly, who was a, a lifetime employee of Toyota, Hajima Oba is his name, was asked back in 2003 why American businesses don't, um, don't get a full benefit out of TPS. And he answered without hesitation. He said two reasons. He says, first of all, management does not know what TPS is. And secondly, management is too hung up on quarterly earnings. I'm paraphrasing here. Sure. But both of these things have everything to do with the mess that we're in right now. Hmm. You know, the reality is when you look at the narrow definition of, uh, you know, sort of look at the TPS house with the just-in-time and the Chidoka, uh, at the base of this is this thing called levelization, hey, Junka. There is no production system in the world, none, which will respond immediately to a calamity, mm-hmm. none. Mm-hmm. So one of the basic things is that levelization. And by the way, that requires long-term thinking. That requires strategic thinking. For example, we might have prepared some of those PPEs and wipes in advance of this had we given a thought to it, because that, in fact, is part of lean as well. That's like I said earlier, there's no amount of tactics that overcomes uh, a lack of strategy. So we had our opportunity. We had our opportunity 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even five years ago, mm. okay? Even two years ago. And we blew it because as uh, Mr. Oba says, uh, we don't think long-term. We're short-term thinkers and that's it, okay? So, so, um, so in that narrow definition, but I would sort of posit that, you know, there's no production system that would work. And I don't think anyway, the manufacturers of, of the wipes were necessarily lean producers either. Uh, it's just, a, even if they were, we would be in this mess because uh, it's hard, very hard to, to pivot in a calamity. Right. Um, the question is, and well, let's look at it in a broader sense. Like, uh, does that mean that uh, engaging employees and solving problems, that that's what's gotten us into trouble? Does that mean respecting uh, the views of all of our employees? Is that is that something we probably ought to think twice about? Um, what what is it exactly uh, that about lean that has uh, you know created these shortages? Right. So right. I just you know I try not to get annoyed by that, but but this is nothing new. 
There are persons who, um, you know, Shigeo Shingo referred to them as conceptual blind spots. They just can't see. They're looking right at the problem, right at the problem. You know, it's like those folks who are watching Galileo throw the two stones off the Tower of Pisa. I think it's probably a fictional account, but, and looking at them both landing at the same time and then saying, no, that's not true. They didn't. Mm-hmm. So, right. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I haven't seen that from not a single one of our customers. Okay. And that's because our customers have real problems. Uh, and they are trying to pivot quickly, and they realize that getting everybody involved is a good way to pivot quickly, to make changes, to deal with the problems of the day. Hmm. You know, it's not, uh, in fact, the companies that have that background have done a much better job. Hmm. So, you know, it's BS. I don't know what else to call it. Yeah, but that's fair. BS. That's fair. Now, what do you think? So when, you know, maybe as GBMP has pivoted or what you see your clients doing, do you think that some of the stuff you've enacted is going to stick? So I'll say when, when I even shudder to say this out loud, but when COVID's over with, whenever that may be in whatever capacity that may be, do you think that, uh, you know, will we ever just, you think we'll get back to normal or do you think that some of this stuff is, is gone forever? Like you mentioned, maybe physically not having an office anymore. Yeah, I think it's going to be a mixed bag. Um, for an organization like mine, um, it, uh, we may never have an office again. Hmm. And, um, you know, there's, there, there are certain types of things that we've discovered with the technology, but look, I, I would not have been a proponent of reaching out to clients, uh, via zoom. Okay. This was a choice that I was forced into because I had no alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, having, uh, used uh, this type of utility, however, I'm discovering that there are some things which you can do. And in, actually, in some ways, uh, it way, in some ways, better communication, different type of communication. It's a different medium. It's, you know, I, I would always say to people, yeah, you know, you can see a video of the Grand Canyon, but until you're there standing on the edge of the canyon, you haven't experienced the Grand Canyon. And that's true. That's absolutely true. But can you learn nothing about the Grand Canyon uh, virtually? Uh, No, you can learn a lot. You can learn a lot. And when you're faced with a choice of learning nothing or learning something, uh, this is what you do. So direct observation is a big deal. Uh, You know, even one of the Toyota family members made a point of this. He said, you know, during the point of direct observation is to grasp the situation, grasp the current situation. And uh, there are times when this may not be possible. So we have to do what we can do. But let me give you a couple of examples of observation, which is not direct, which we've been using for a whole long time. One of them would be the electron microscope. It's not direct observation. We're counting on some science to give us a, a view of what's actually happening. Without that, we wouldn't be curing this virus right now. Hmm. And then there's high-speed photography, which has been used in lean for the longest time because the naked eye cannot pick up Uh, motion of machines. So we slow it down, we can take a look at it. Neither one of those is direct observation. Those are observations aided uh, by indirect. You know, when Galileo improved the telescope, that's when he was able to confirm Copernican theory. Mm. And that wasn't direct observation. He didn't go out to the freaking planets. (laughs) Hi, everyone. 
I just wanted to take a quick break from the podcast to let you know about some exciting news that I thought you'd be interested in. When we talk about lean, we talk a lot about value add. Now that translates into adding value to your workforce, your products and services, and to your customers. We here at New England Lean are no different. We're continuously striving to deliver more value to our clients each and every day. Over the years, we've grown from being focused solely on lean training and consulting to also offering Six Sigma belt certifications, lean certification, and quality management system assistance. In fact, we just helped a Massachusetts manufacturer get ISO 9001 and ISO 1345 certified. And both of those were done with no findings. The real reason for the interruption though, is that I wanted to let you know about the various funding opportunities that may be available to you here in New England. Regardless of which of the six states you're in, New England Lean Consulting is approved and or certified to provide under those programs, from the Workforce Training Fund in Massachusetts to the Eversource-funded Prime Program here in Connecticut, the Governor's Workforce Board in Rhode Island to the Maine at Work Initiative. And I don't know of another consulting firm that can say that. My team and I work very hard to ensure that we stay on top of all these different programs so that we can give you the best opportunity to take advantage of incentives that you might not even have ever heard of before. So hit us up online at newenglandlean.com and look for our funding opportunities page for more information. So there are lots of things that you can do, uh, but, but you know, I, I've had the bias in the past and I still feel that actually being with a client, having peripheral vision, having more than just a couple of senses is really important, but there are things that you can uh, you can teach and things that you can learn um, and communicate. You and I are communicating face-to-face and I'm seeing your expression as we talk. In fact, when I'm looking at uh, 10 people or 12 people on a screen, I'm seeing all of their faces in a way that I probably wouldn't see them uh, if I were there in person. Mm-hmm. It's kind of spooky, actually. It's, it, it drains you after a while. But uh, so, so, so it's different. This is different. Things will change. Yeah, some things will change. There, there's large, large corporations who are saying they're never going to have offices anymore. Hard to say what the secondary effects of that will be. You know, what's going to be the cost of office space? Uh, I don't know. There's just a whole lot of cards that could fall. In terms of, um, you know, will we, for example, what's important to me is, well, will we learn from this? You know, will we learn from this and will we be better prepared next time? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, you know, uh, Ryuji Fukuda um, talked about disaster recovery. And and when he was talking about this was a guy who was kind of promoting lean thinking, he was saying, look, he says, if you look at most of the major disasters, if we could have done some pre-planning, they would not have been disasters. He says, but we don't. We have short-term thinking. Uh, We kind of live for the day. And uh, so I worry that, yeah, this is going to be over. And uh, what we like to think of as normal will become something, will become normal but we will not take, uh, we won't take heed of the lessons mm-hmm. that we learn here. Yeah. And that, I, that to me, that to me is, you know, the danger as well is, is, and we've seen it before, you know, I, I liken it to getting a speeding ticket, right? So you get nabbed, you get it right. You get to pay a hundred or $200. And yeah. then for the next week or so, 
right? You can't, you take it easy and then gradually it's like you kind of get back. So that's my fear as well is, you know, when air quotes, all this is over with, you know, it's like, well, you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we can leverage like I've done, you know, you had mentioned too, you've done some webinar. I have too. And it's, you know, I'm reaching people that I would never have been able to get to before. Yep. Um, and for I, that's a good thing. I mean, not for nothing. I launched this podcast because of it. You know, this was on my, my whiteboard for my strategic plan for, I don't know, three years. So finally it's like, well, you know, I mean, not that I, you know, not, I mean, it's a huge price to pay, I guess, but, but there's some changes that have come about out of it that hopefully will stick. Cause I think in the long term, right. We'll, we'll have, we'll all be better off for it. Yeah. There are, there are so many implications, Paul. It's hard to say. I mean, it, um, you know, my daughter is uh, going into a, a master's program at NYU. And uh, so she'll, she's going back to New York, but there'll be no classes. Mm-hmm. And for her work and for at that master's level, it's probably not a big deal. Um, but for somebody who's entering college for the first time, they're doing that um mm-hmm. you know or if you're not even you're not going to college if you're going out into the workforce for the first time it's just totally different totally yeah. different yeah so i don't know i don't know what's uh if, if there's some of the things will stick uh somebody who's more better futurist than i will figure that out i don't know as i said i'm we my planning horizon is very short i take a look at what's happening right now what I think might happen in the next couple of months. You know, we, it's not that we don't have a strategic plan, but um, you know, we our tactical planning right now is really important. Gotcha. So I want to, so another different, different line of question. Um, so you've been at this for a, at least a little while. So you've seen, I mean, you've forgotten more than I'll probably ever know. Um, so I wanted to pick your brain about what do you see? Cause like I'm pretty active on social media and I see a lot of some good things and I see some bad things. And when I say bad things, I mean, people arguing about is lean and TPS the same thing, or how does that compare to six Sigma or theory of constraints is, and is it PDSA or PDCA? And like, so to me, like I, I, I don't dip my toe into those because to me, I don't, I don't care. Like, and that's what I'll tell our clients is, you can call it whatever you want. You know, TPS has been around what, 30, 40 years, but that thinking, it, you know, you could trace it back to the industrial revolution and beforehand. Right. Um, so I try to not take part in, in those arguments cause I don't think they're fruitful. I don't think they really mean anything. So from your perspective and, and what you've done and seen, what do you think, like where we are in 2020, what do you think we've gotten, we've gotten right as a lean community? And then conversely, what do you think we've gotten wrong? But it's hard, hard to generalize because there are organizations that have done very well, too few actually. Uh, but those who have done well have, uh, um, I think, um, focused on the provider as well as the customer. You know, that respect for people thing, it sounds mm-hmm. like fluff, but actually it's, and it's, it's for most organizations, that's their biggest problem, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, be, and because that's their biggest problem, they take a look at the technical part of TPS and they punish people with it. 
Uh, and companies continue to do that. And some of them, fortunately, uh, will learn their lesson. They'll realize that that was a stupid thing to do. And they'll discover, you know, yeah, we, we get a false start. Uh, and we're going to start again. And people are resilient. People, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to work or see companies that work with or see companies that uh, maybe on their third or fourth attempt, the fact that they're on their third or fourth attempt is a good, good thing. The fact that they haven't given up. Uh, and some, you know, I, who I might have written off and said, you know, they're never going to get it. They're just never going to get it. People in charge are just, you know, they, they've got a certain mindset and it's never going to change. And then I'm wrong. So, um, but when the change occurs, it's always, it's always because there's discovery that this isn't something to be done by some mezzanine squad that it, you know, our slogan at GBMP is everybody every day. Uh, something we stole from TSSC, uh, they say everyone, every minute, every day. And so, you know, we, we stole it, but I dumbed it down just a little bit because I thought I might scare people with <laughs> <laughs> every, you know, their basic idea was every, every job, every, every job I do, every cycle of that job, I should be thinking about improving the work. And um, so we're starting to get that right in some businesses. Okay. Um, the Shingo Institute, I think, deserves some credit for popularizing that idea. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look back through any of the books from sort of like Shingo or, or Taiichi Ono or Ryuji Fukuda, all, a whole lot of books that were published originally back in the 60s, they came into the U.S. in the 80s, all of those were talking about human behavior and the value of people. But none of that got picked up for a long time. Just a few organizations figured that out. So I'd say we're getting that right. When we get that right, companies are getting, uh, that's when, you know, Mr. Oba said, uh, management does not know what TPS is. At, at least in part, that's what he was referring to. Mm -hmm. There's also certainly, uh, we still struggle with some of the concepts. Um, again, I'm generalizing. Uh, the idea, the fact that we get this article in the Wall Street Journal is a demonstration of we just don't get the concept. You know, we haven't really thought deeply about it. Um, it's just easy to say that, yeah, if we had lots of inventory on hand, we wouldn't have had this problem, but not actually thinking through how that would have happened or, you know, you know, do we get to zero, uh, zero late through infinite inventory? How do we do that? Right. And uh, so the other thing I think is encouraging is that it's, you know, it's just starting to extend, I say starting to extend beyond manufacturing, beyond the operations where we presume the problems to be. You know, when I first got involved with continuous improvement, which would be like mid 80s, uh, there was no challenge to, uh, to uh, you didn't have to argue that there were problems in manufacturing. There were, no question about it. Now, a lot of them were not the making of people for manufacturing, but they were there. You'd see them there. Uh, but when you go to other departments, peripheral departments, engineering or sales or marketing or management, no, we don't have the problems. Problems are all down there in operations. It's down with those folks, you know, on the floor. And uh, so we, I think we're getting beyond that. Organizations are figuring that out. It's slow. And then there are other industries, you know, when the Shingo Institute's uh, 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 first offered the prize, it was only for manufacturers and only in North America. Hmm. 
and then uh, extended it to, uh, you know, to other parts of the world, which is fine. We should have done that in the first place. Uh, and, uh, and then it extended, changed the term to operations because as well, you know, we are focusing too much on the people who are adding value, so to speak. Uh, all those other folks, they probably ought to be on board too. And, uh, and then, you know, most recently into industries that, uh, that don't appear to have uh, operations, you know, charities, government, um, you know, they all have processes and most of them are broken. Uh, insurance companies, uh, banks, all the services that we provide. So we're getting that right. That's a good thing too. And, and uh, not that everybody is subscribing to it, but there's a, I think a recognition that, uh, that there's no part of an organization and no part of the society that isn't beset with problems and, uh, and the opportunity to fix them is a good thing. Yeah. Good. Nice. It's always interesting. I just, I'm curious cause I see, you know, I mean, we all have our own viewpoints, so it's, um, but I'm encouraged as well because I, I kind of feel and see the same thing where we're kind of moving away from this whole, you know, we're going to develop our KPIs and we're going to put them up on a board and now I'm going to hold everybody accountable to hitting those. And if you can't, then, you know, there's going to be issues. There's, you know, draconian action. I mean, these are all things that I've had and seen bosses say where it's like, well, if you guys can't figure it out, then I'll get people in your can and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you got to, you know, first things first, if you, right, encourage and engage, right, and people know that you care about them, all the respect for people, the stuff that goes into respect for people they'll run through a wall for you and you'll get all the stuff that you want. But that, yeah. the, right. The culture's got to come first. What is the saying? Culture eats strategy for breakfast or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so yeah. Bruce, I always, I want to pivot it just a little bit. And I, uh, I include in the podcast, something I call the wicked fun part. If you're all up right. for, well, I hope I don't let you down. <laughs> you I'm certain you won't. So I just have some like kind of, rapid fire questions that I wanted to throw out here if you're up for it. Sure. All right. What keeps you up at night? Uh, that would be one of those topics that uh, I said I would not discuss. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> what, how about what inspires you? People. What's your favorite song and why? Boy, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. The first one that came to mind is uh, Allison by, um, and I can't even remember the singer's name. I can hear it in my head. I think Allison, yeah. I know this world is killing you. Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello. There you go. Yeah. But that's, you know, I, I love all kinds of music. Uh, it would be really hard to say. That's just the first one that came to mind. My right. daughter's named Allison. Oh, well, uh, there you go. Uh, what's one thing nobody knows about you? Yeah, it's probably if there was really something that nobody knew about me, I probably would not want to be sharing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I love to play bass. I play harmonica. I don't know. People don't. I didn't know, know that. Know and I've known you for years. Yeah. That's cool. That could be, that could be another video maybe someday. 
There actually, there is a video of me playing harp that's on YouTube. <laughs> I'm going to find it and I'm going to link uh, it in the show notes. It's me playing Whammer Jammer. All uh, right. The, uh, you know, the uh, Jay Giles. Uh, yeah. 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 I love Jay. They're just one of my favorite bands. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, I love music. I could have been a musician. Uh, maybe not a good one, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so like rock band kind of stuff? Rock band, yeah. Although I like all kinds of music. Yeah. But that would be fun. I mean, there's something to be said. Uh, what sound or noise do you love? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Bubbling Brook. It's calming. Uh, last one. What superpower do you wish you had? Mm. The ability to see the future. That would be nice. That could come in handy, especially in the stock market. Come in handy right now. Yeah, well, that too. That too. <laughs> so, so GBMP does. A, so thank you. Uh, thus concludes sure. our wicked, the wicked fun part. Hopefully you're having fun anyways. But so I know, so GBMP, you guys do like there, you guys do a ton of stuff. I see I'm on your newsletter. So I get the emails and I mean, you're constantly doing Shingo, con, you know, you know, webinars and Shingo classes and, and like, for instance, um, you also do a Northeast lean conference that you move around every, right. Every year. Uh, so I've been to several this year. I was excited because it was right in Springfield, Mass, which yeah, is not yeah. far from me. We but were looking forward to it as well. It, it will be there next year. Okay. okay. We're uh, pretty sure. Uh, since we couldn't do it there this year, we agreed we'd be back there next year. And so I'm being optimistic that uh, maybe by that time, people will not be afraid to assemble. Okay. We'll see. Good. I'm looking forward to it. Good. So, but, but for now, it's, this year's is virtual, right? And I think it, it's coming up in a what a month or and a half or so october uh seven and eight okay it's the same date as the original conference that was to be held in springfield and we've scaled it back got a, a little bit out of respect to our participants uh we dropped the price dramatically uh, thinking you know these are hard times for business and uh uh we're interested in the community and the celebration we never have actually the conference has never been our you know, prime source of income. Um, and there was just no reason to do that. And we thought, well, let's see who can, uh, who we can snag uh, with, uh, you know, with the virtual conference. So looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, it's another experiment. Uh, but uh, most people are getting pretty good with virtual now. So I think we'll be able to work it out. Yeah. Yeah. And like AME, which you and I are both, you know, involved in, they obviously like they've gone virtual as well. Mm -hmm. So I think people, like you said, people are getting used to it. So Bruce, as we wrap up, I just wanted to throw it out to you to share, you know, if there's anything that I didn't ask or that you think is important, what do you, you know, is there anything in the lean community that you want to, that you want to put out there as a, you know, guiding light? No, I guess the only thing I'd like to say is I'd uh, like to ask all those people who are lean thinkers to please don't deny science and be respectful to others and wear a mask. Hmm. 
Fair enough. All right, Mr. Hamilton, I will, shall let you go. I thank you so much for joining us. I hope, uh, I hope you had fun. I hope, you know, people got to know yeah, you. Paul, I was fine. Thank you for asking. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And good uh, luck yeah. with your podcast series. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And yeah. hopefully, hopefully we get to see each other, you know, somewhere, you know, soon. Yeah. Other than just on a yeah. computer screen. Yeah. Well, we'll take what we can get. All right. right. All okay, right, good. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. It's Paul. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks for listening. I hope you found the podcast to be both entertaining and educational, as that's really what our goal is with it. If you did like it, please give us a review and a subscribe. The more folks who do this, the more the algorithms like us, so the more people will be able to find us. I also want to give special shout outs to Emma Critchley for her video and audio editing abilities, which quite frankly are way beyond mine, as well as Jeremy Grant and the team at the Timber Cross for their creative genius. I appreciate you all. I invite you to connect with us as well. We're all over social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, so we should be pretty easy to find. We share a lot of content that is much like what we talk about on the podcast, so it may be of interest to give us a follow. You can also find us online at newenglandlean.com. That's our website, and it outlines all the services we provide, things we do, customer testimonials, case studies, white papers, as well as being our main conduit for story sharing about all things that are lean, quality, and culture change focused. So check us out there as well. Finally, if you have any thoughts about the podcast, things you'd like us to discuss, things you'd like us to change, or if you want to be a guest or know somebody who would be, please email us at podcast at newenglandlean.com. We're always trying to improve and welcome any feedback. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, make it a wonderful week.